0: The 37th Annual Meeting of the Society for Immunotherapy and Cancer took place on the 8th to the 12th of November in Boston, Massachusetts. Today, we'll be going through some of the key highlights from interviews with the experts from the meeting, bringing the latest updates in immuno-oncology. First, we hear from Judith Varner from the University of California on the combination of myeloid cell and T-cell targeting as an effective anti-tumor strategy. So, I'm going
1: to speak about A novel therapeutic approach that we have identified and worked on for the past uh, 10 years. Uh, We discovered that a small molecule um, inhibitor of a specific kinase, PI3 kinase gamma, is an effective uh, myeloid targeting agent that can boost uh, the uh, recruitment of T cells and activation of T cells in tumors. And I will present uh, the basic research findings, as well as the latest uh, phase two clinical trial results that demonstrate a doubling of uh, overall survival in cancer patients. Let me first uh, summarize uh, what our basic findings were. In 2011, a postdoctoral fellow in my lab, Dr. Michael Schmidt, who's now a chair of his department at the University of Liverpool, identified PI3 kinase gamma as a macrophage myeloid cell-specific kinase that regulates um, the recruitment of myeloid cells into tumors. By inhibiting that kinase, we showed that we could uh, increase uh, the anti-tumor efficacy of uh, therapeutics. So, uh, Following up later by another postdoctoral fellow, Megan Kaneda, Uh, we discovered that this um, molecule PI3 kinase gamma drives macrophage and myeloid cell-mediated immune suppression, and that by inhibiting it, we uh, allowed macrophages and other myeloid cells to become more uh, pro-inflammatory, thereby recruiting T cells and activating T cells and leading to tumor suppression. Uh, Megan Canita showed uh, in studies that were published in Nature in 2016, that combination therapy with checkpoint inhibitors and PI3 kinase gamma inhibitors could completely eradicate certain tumors. Uh, So we um, then worked with Infinity Pharmaceuticals of Cambridge, Massachusetts, as they developed a PI3 kinase gamma selective small molecule inhibitor And then they have, uh, since that time, uh, conducted uh, phase one trials, which included biomarker studies that we performed at UCSD that documented this same uh, boosting of immune response in patients. And then they have gone on to perform three phase two clinical trials, uh, two in uh, triple negative breast cancer and one in urothelial cancer. The trial in urothelial cancer that I will discuss is was uh, done in um, treatment resistant patients, so uh, second line therapy uh, with uh, checkpoint inhibitor nivolumab, anti PD one, and there uh, they've observed a, a doubling of overall survival in patients treated with their PD three inhibitor and anti PD one. Additionally they conducted a trial in triple negative breast cancer combining anti PDL1 and PI3K gamma inhibitor agalysib and uh navpaclitaxel uh, in triple negative breast cancer patients and they also have this stu- the follow up of this study is still ongoing but they have also observed uh, some uh, a strong uh, enhancement of overall survival and uh, 90% tumor regressions or tumor uh, stasis in um, PDL1 positive and PDL1 negative patients. Uh, and so, follow up on that study is still ongoing, but they are observing a, an increase in overall survival. Uh, the company is currently. Um, planning of their phase three registration trial strategies. Uh, And so this is going to be um, one of the earliest uh, myeloid targeted therapies um, to reach phase three. Uh, In the past, we've had um, CSF1R inhibitors, which have been approved for one kind of cancer, but uh, unfortunately we're did not show the strong efficacy that was predicted uh, in the past, and then also uh, anti-CD40 agonists, um, which also have not yet shown the the predicted uh, benefit. And so um, we are hopeful that the pi 3 gamma inhibitor will continue to show this strong uh, benefit for patients when combined with other therapeutics.
0: Next up, Sam Ramalaki from the Western University discusses the correlation between the composition of the gut microbiome and response to immunotherapy. He provides an overview of an investigation into modifying the microbiome via fecal transplant prior to immunotherapy to reduce primary resistance in melanoma.
2: We've learned in the last uh, few years that the gut microbiome composition seems to be correlated with how a cancer patient's response to to immunotherapy with immune checkpoint inhibitors. It turns out that patients who are responding, if you look at the composition of their gut microbiome, their microbiome seems to be more similar to to each other than patients who don't respond. And those patients' microbiome tend to be more similar to each other. And so this uh, this provides an observational evidence really that uh, microbiome may be important in 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 response to to immune checkpoint inhibitors. Also, uh, recent studies that show. The composition of microbiome can be also important in patients uh, the 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 toxicity patients experience after immunotherapy, and uh, so it this this makes common I and mean, makes complete sense in terms of science because we know that gut microbiome can affect uh, uh, systemic immunity, and uh, we know that immune checkpoint inhibitors actually work through the immune system. So if if microbiome on one hand can impact the, the immune response, and we know the drugs we're giving these patients work through the immune response, so one can put the two and two together and think that, okay, maybe changing the microbiome uh, prospectively can, uh, can help to improve patients' response to immunotherapy, and that's exactly what we did in our study. So what we did was we built a, a multi-center trial that uh, was done in three centers in Canada, in London, Ontario, at London Health Sciences Center, at the Shum in Montreal, and also at the Jewish General Hospital in Montreal. And what we did was we used healthy donor stool to prepare uh, capsules for a process called fecal microbiota transplant in melanoma patients. What we did was we, uh, we brought in the patients after they they underwent uh, bowel prep which means they uh, they effectively uh, uh, got rid of their own microbiome the day before and uh, this is similar to when patients go on the colonoscopy and then what happens is that they come in and then we'll give them the capsules and then. Uh, Seven days later, we allow seven days for engraftment that they now they have the, the donor's microbiome. After seven days, they, they started to receive a single-agent anti-PD-1 therapy, and that could be either nivolumab or pembrolizumab, based on the investigator's choice. And what we did was we we first looked at the the safety of this combination therapy and see how safe this this approach was for our patients because this was the first time that anybody has tried this with healthy donor material at the first line. So these patients were treatment naive, or I should say anti-PD-1 naive for their cancer. And uh, we, we, we we saw that this this combination treatment was quite safe. There was no unexpected, toxicity from the FMT or any added toxicity to what we expect from signal agents anti-PD-1 immunotherapy. And what else we saw in terms of translational analysis of the patient samples, first of all, something that was very interesting was that we saw the healthy donor microbiome was had a much higher diversity in, 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 in the donor microbiome compared to the patients. And we we saw that the patients post transplant their microbiome came quite diverse as well, similar to to donors really, and that was stable over time. However, we did not see this newly built diversity to be linked to response in patients. Um, what we what we saw was that being able to retain the donor microbiome. Uh, and having a successful engraftment and successful retention of the donor microbiome was key to, to the patient's response to immunotherapy, which further validates the, the significance of microbiome in, in really shaping and controlling anti tumor immunity that is being leveraged by immunotherapy. And uh, the other things that we saw in this study, and that was very important was the presence of certain metabolites in the patient's plasma, post FMT, that, uh, that was really correlated with response in, in patients who responded to to therapy. And some changes with the immune cells uh, that they we saw uh, that patients who who didn't respond actually had certain population of their immune cells. These are mucosal associated uh, T lymphocytes or mate cells that they were more exhausted uh, uh, post-transplant. And um, one, the other thing that we saw was in our translational studies, we saw that the donor stool, if you put it in mouse, in the, in the animal models and we create avatar mice, they can actually induce a response to, to immunotherapy, which further mechanistically validates the importance of the donor microbiome. in in sensitizing tumors that they they would be refracted to immunotherapy to, to these drugs.
0: And now we have Michael Overman from the University of Texas MD Anderson Cancer Center providing an overview of the key limitations of current treatment options for patients with microsatellite stable colorectal cancer. He shares exciting results from a phase one trial on a novel antibody, COM701, in combination with nivolumab in patients with MSS, CRC, and liver metastasis.
3: So proficient mismatch repair metastatic colorectal cancer is is a tumor type that is uh, in need of future therapies and novel therapies. Uh, Immune therapy is, is currently not active in this space with proficient mismatch repair uh, in addition, there are a large number of patients uh, that do end up being refractory to kind of standard therapies, and a number of the therapies used in the kind of refractory setting have very limited activity. So there really is a large unmet need for novel therapies for kind of the refractory proficient mismatch repair or microsatellite stable colorectal cancer population. So at uh, the SITC 2022, we present the COM701 plus nivolumab uh, data set for patients with microsatellite stable or proficient mismatch repair colorectal cancer. Uh, So out of that phase one study, we pull out all those colorectal cancer patients uh, and look at the results in regards to kind of safety and efficacy. And so I think the first point is that the, the safety is really well demonstrated. Um... There really were no serious adverse events related to study drugs. They, they were kind of uh, events related to um, uh, disease-related toxicity. Uh, and so overall, the safety profile was excellent. Um, in regards to activity, again, there were 22 microsatellite-stable colorectal cancer patients uh, that were enrolled. Uh, and for efficacy, we saw a um, response rate of uh, 9% uh, to patients with response um, and then there were also patients with stable disease. And if you look at the um, population, the subset kind of with liver only metastasis, which tends to be a population that is more uh, resistant to immune therapies. We've seen that in other kind of um, pilot data sets. Uh, That group actually had those two responders. And so so within that kind of data set, uh, we did see a 12% kind of response rate in, in microsatellite stable colorectal cancer with liver metastases.
0: Finally, we here from Dwarka Devar from UPMC Hillman Cancer Center, sharing results of a phase two trial investigating a novel TLR9 agonist in combination with nivolumab for melanoma in the neoadjuvant setting.
4: Vidotolamod is a TLR9 agonist, so it's a, uh, an agent that activates the innate act, uh, innate immune system. And uh, this agent has got single agent activity in, combination in uh, great activity in combination with anti-PD-1, in patients with advanced PD-1 refractory melanoma. What we wanted to do in this study was explore the reasons as to how Vidotolimod works. And the primary reason we sought to do a neoadjuvant study was because in the advanced cancer setting, oftentimes you have multiple tumors and multiple lymph nodes and multiple lung lesions. On the other hand, in the neoadjuvant setting, you oftentimes just have two, three, or four lymph nodes. And it uh, allows us to give the drug into one of these lymph nodes and evaluate the effect of the agent in that setting by taking out everything. And that way you have lots of blood and tissue to study how the drug is working, what are the different immune cell subsets it's working in, and potentially what are the mechanisms of resistance. So Vytolemod is a a TLR9 agonist that's given into the tumor, right? So in the context of this uh, study, we combined it with anti-PD-1 in the neoadjuvant setting. Now, anti PD1 in the neoadjuvant setting produces a pathologic response rate of between 18 to 25%. We do know that the combination of PD1 and CTLA4 produce pathologic response rates of about 45 to 50 something percent. And the newer uh, FDA approved melanoma combination of PD1 relatilumab or PD1 lag3 produces complete response rates of 57%. So, what we observed was uh, in a trial that was done between 2018 and uh, 2021 that the combination of itatolamide and nivolumab produced pathologic response rates of 47%, so about half of the treated patients had complete eradication of tumor, and an additional three patients or 10% of patients had near-complete eradication of tumor or near PCR for a total of 57% patients with complete or near-complete pathologic responses. These results uh, compare very favorably with that of established agents in the PD-1 armamentarium. So in the context of advanced melanoma, PD-1-CTLA-4 is an established combination. PD-1-relatlimab is a newer combination. And uh, these agents produce bad complete response rates and near complete response rates that are very similar to what we observed in our trials, suggesting that nivolumab and uh, vitatolamide are very, very active and potentially as uh, similarly active to agents that are already FDA-approved in the advanced cancer spectrum. What we were very, very thrilled to observe as well was that the pathologic complete response rates and pathologic near-complete response rates also resulted in durable survival. So the one-year durable relapse-free survival was 88 to 94 percent and uh, the two-year DMFS and two-year OS were 94 to 100 percent. So pathologic responses did result in durable relapse-free survival in the patients who were treated, suggesting that not merely we observe an effect locally, but that this effect is also translated into systemic anti-tumor immunity. In the context of the clinical trial, we are also able to observe some interesting correlative signs pointing to mechanisms of resistance, Mm -hmm. uh, such as LAC3 upregulation on T cells, as well as the underlying mechanisms by which vitatolimod works, which is primarily macrophage polarization uh, and the downstream secretion of certain cytokines that activate T cells. So, the key takeaways are that the response rate, pathologic response rates are high, very comparable to frontline approved standards, and the responses are durable. And there's clear evidence of immune activation uh, in the T cell compartment, the APC compartment, as well as the PDC compartment.
0: Thank you for listening. If you had found this podcast insightful, please leave a review. And don't forget to subscribe on your podcast app. Follow us on Twitter at VJ Oncology to join in the conversation. And don't forget to check out bjoncology.com for all of our exclusive coverage on the data presented at Sitc 2022.